What's up, everybody? Greg Chapman back with another edition of the Gentleman Gorilla Small Business Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jacob Foster and Anthony Terranova. They are swap diggers, flippers, finders, all sorts of terms for them. They were just telling me about it. But basically, they go to swap meets, thrift stores. They find things of value that they can get for good prices, and they flip it, they swap it, they do what they can to make some buck off it and get it to people that want it. So guys, can you tell me a little bit more about kind of who you are and the industry that you're in? It's like treasure hunting. You treasure know? hunting. Yeah. yeah. You know, so treasures just kind of evolved where treasures used to be like coins and stuff. And it got away from that because treasures got to become things that you can find. And so individual people don't treasure things that are as precious anymore because they're less accessible, like jewelry and stuff. We like value pop culture stuff and things that are accessible, just like plastic, fabric, clothing, okay. collectibles, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so collectibles grew, whereas a big umbrella where this clothing is collectible now, you know, things that weren't typically collectible before, video games, you know, everything kind of mishmashed, whereas like everybody kind of knew what was collectible. It was like old lady stuff, like antiques. And mm-hmm. then the generation changed and moved on. It's like boomers were like, had all that money and they were collecting like stuff from the 60s. They got out of it and started collecting Rolexes and property. And then all that stuff's kind of fell by the wayside. And now we're coming into the game and we're nostalgic about 80s G.I. Joe and that band in the 90s that I was into. And so everything just changed and the dynamic changed. Okay. And uh, kind of what's your experience with it, Jacob, so far? Um... Kind of in the same vein, Anthony was just saying, like, we we have to acknowledge and look at pop culture and look at what people covet and what people really desire and are looking at. And it's always changing. People's tastes change. Um, the things people remember and are fond of change. Um, and just going into places where one might typically not think you'd be able to find something, right, and finding something of value or finding something of worth finding something that somebody somewhere or someplace else finds total value in and wants to collect and wants to have. Um, you got to sell what's accessible, basically. Like, you can't okay. turn around and say, hey, look, I'm a seller, and I want to sell and start selling this thing I don't have a stock of, you know? And so when you're down here and you're just a person, obviously you can start getting a bunch of stock of secondhand used stuff. So then from there, how good you are at that just depends on your selection. And so it worked for me because I picked everything that resonated with me. And so because I knew that I was hooked on it, it's kind of like I know other people are going to have those same feelings. And then that kind of draws a market of people that are obsessed with the same obsessions around you. It's like that's what I did was I surrounded myself with my obsessions. And I brought other people with the same obsessions to me because it's like, if they're the type of people who are drawn to those things, they're going to be typically drawn to them long term and just keep going after them. Like I started with toys, and I was drawn to them since a child. Like I literally never. I feel never like you've got to kind of know what you're looking for, so it helps to be into what you're looking for. It helps. So like it know. helps. I mean, you literally can be a complete goober and just get the <laughs> treasure box of like some awesome collection of somebody that was just super into something, and you can get their stuff. And fully capitalize on it. If you have the mind to where you're just like, oh, yeah, this is all some real good big bucks right here. And you can stick it up on eBay. 
But that doesn't happen as much as you typically believe because most people don't see the value in things like right away or offhand. It's only people who are trained to really squeeze things like that. And even the squeezers are going to overlook stuff because they're going to see value in like 75% of it. And then something that might have been the best thing or just something really like marketable and a valuable piece, they'll just push it by the wayside because they're just like, oh, yeah. And that was just a that in there. Man, I had like the signed freaking records and then this and this and that. And then they're like, you know, but the T-shirts and all that, you know, I just did this with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the so, T-shirts like, what was it, like five years ago, the old band T-shirts popped off. Oh, and yeah. everyone the, out of nowhere, just like that, it was like if you had hot band T-shirts, like people were rummaging through their old bins from high school in the 80s and 90s and right. trying to find these T-shirts to start selling. I could tell you the real story is that the T-shirt has always been massive and that they've always been like a vintage shirt. Even in the 90s, my mom told me that they had old band shirts on Melrose that were cut up and like worn out for sale for stupid amounts of money. And people in the 90s, we didn't pay low amounts for them. Like it was $40, $50 for a t-shirt with your band on it in the record store at a show in the 90s. So just that for inflation, a lot of this stuff's actually cheaper than it was then, you know? So it's like some of it just held value and some of it did explode. And then it's just demand. It really, it's all demand. And the supply is definitely thin because it was thin yeah, then. Super it was always thin. thin. You know what I mean? The stuff always was hot. People had some money to buy on this disposable stuff back then, and they did. Like, it's not like now where, like, people just go to, like, Target and shit like that and buy their clothes. People, like, had to go to just, like, shops that were around town, and they typically carry, like, the stuff that now is desirable. Back then, like, Stussy or whatever was just some local kind of cool brand and thing, and, like, you could get it. And now it's, like, worldwide, you know? Yeah. So this worldwide explosion is also the thing where they, the, everybody in the entire world wants a brand that was like once just Southern California cool. And now it's like everybody wants that skateboard brand I grew up and everybody on the internet knows. So it's like this inflation of desire where I had all of these shirts and logos and it was cool then, but the price was $11. It was $20 to have a cool shirt. But to have that same freaking cool shirt and that same effect, the stock on that went whoosh, because also having the shirt is seen by more people. So it's like before maybe like 30 people would see you wear it. Now you get a picture, like thousands of people might see mm -hmm. the shirt. So the value on everything and image, the value on image went up. Almost say like the social value of the shirt. Basically, yeah. So there's like a weird intrinsic kind of like property to it where there's a usefulness tied to it, to the shirt, which makes it collectible. But even just by itself there's already like a memorabilia aspect to it you know what i mean because it's connected to music and it's connected to like other things that are collectible like whatever just like event like you know or just brand so if you collect nike all of a sudden it's like i collect nike shirts too where it's like people collect nike sneakers you know what i mean but now people collect nike sneakers nike shirts nike this there's like nike keychains and pins and shit so everything starts to overlap further now. There's a toy mm -hmm. brand that does a collaboration with this brand, and now you've got to collect both things, and it's like everything just mishmashed, where it's all just a big collectible limited edition mess that we're in now. So everything old all of a sudden became a limb that came out only here and there. Like before, if it would have been considered funky and dumb, or it's like, man, these cheesy guys tried to come out with some dumb stuff that says something on it for the Olympics this one time. <laughs> and like hardly anyone bought it and it ended up in the outlet 
like that now is like deluxe where it's like dude they only came out with this for the stupid olympics mm -hmm. and tried to cash in on it and no one bought it and so it's like super freaking rare but not really because it's just like it hung around for 20 years with tags on it and no one wore it and just like all of a sudden now everybody wants the same thing and so it just got this spin where it just like like old grape juice turned into wine and it's like yeah, fine that's wine. interesting how Things that nobody wanted for a couple of decades turned into something that lots of people want now just because it's rare. Isn't like, it? it was such a shitty product for so long that they only made a small amount of it because no one was buying it. And so now people want it. Yeah, it's a funny <laughs> little. But plus at the time, the saturation, you got to remember, there was a lot of the same type of gross mm -hmm. stuff to where now, like, that kind of grossness is kind of, like, grown on everybody. And it's not so common anymore. So everyone's nostalgic about this gross-looking stuff that isn't really, like, everywhere. And some people make it look good now because it's, like, just neat. Like, you know, it's just neat where it's just, like, novel. The novelty aspect of just some dumb thing with a huge logo and date and ill colors on it that's, like, too many of them where you're just, like, no one would take a risk on that now. They're, like, I got to sell that in the store and it's got to sell Back in the day, they'd be like purple, yellow, green for the season. Let's see if that freaking flies. And people would be like, cool, man, purple, yeah, yellow, Yeah, because people green. were literally just in their shops making decisions. Yeah. Like, they didn't have the internet, really, to go look and research. No. They didn't have social media to see what trends were going. Like, you had your Sears catalogs, some people, you know, or maybe you got a glance at what's happening in Fashion Week or something. Yeah. But, well, or you yeah, saw a music just, video, or you saw... Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at, and that's where the pop culture thing comes back all around is because, like, we look at, I mean, so many times, like, you see these old things that are staples either in music culture or even just street culture um, or fashion culture, and they usually had to be broadcasted via, like, television or, like, you had to have the record. Um, like, I think of, like, uh, like there's that Wu-Tang one where he's wearing the snow beach, and that, like... Talking to the mic, man. Oh, shoot, my bad. Uh, <laughs> You're all good. Yeah. Um, there's, like, the Wu-Tang, like, uh, music video. It's, like, RZA wearing, like, this snow beach, like, pullover. And Raekwon. Like, Raekwon. Darn it. Yeah, yeah. See, this guy knows about the polo stuff. I'm just, like... But that's just, like, the example to mind, right? Like, of just, like, people seeing this, like, this, this jacket that all of a sudden is now very, very coveted and very, very wanted. Just... Partially because of that. Iconic pieces, like screen-worn stuff. So people will get attached to a moment, and so there'll be iconic people in certain moments, and people want a piece of that, you know? Okay. It's like Yeah, because it takes people back. Like, they remember how they felt watching that music video on summer vacation, you know, in 1994 or whenever. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, well, I loved it. I was a kid. It was a warm summer, blah, blah, blah. And or like, people want to feel that now. Mm -hmm. And they want to, like, they want to kind of relive or reimagine this nostalgia that they see. Like, I think of, like, people who, like, have this nostalgia towards the 70s or towards the 80s or towards the 90s and just, like, what kind of um, persona they want to have or live. And, like, now, like, what Anthony is saying, like, these things, like, being able to collect these objects that, like, create personas and create this, like, imagery is very collectible and accessible now. Yeah, like he was saying, the persona... It's aspirational. So you see these people wearing these things and it communicates a certain thing about them and people aspire to that and want to communicate, communicate the same things about themselves. You know, like, I'm a star or I'm fashionable or I'm coming up or, like, 
I have a certain sort of taste, you know, and it's easy to do that. It's digestible when it's like a mass communication, basically. It's sort of like you're taking someone else's big, big broadcast that they had because they got a screen and a music video and you're kind of co-opting it a little bit for yourself. It's like just like when someone else is like, you know, looking like someone in a band, you know, where it's like, you know, he kind of looks like him. And so he like adopts the look and it's like, you know, girls like him because of that, you know, and some of the groupies following. It's like one of those types of things. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you're trying to take a little bit of the energy for yourself type of yeah. vibe. You know what I mean? And so some people take the energy and just sort of just like put the shirt on to be cool. And then some people can kind of like trend set with it too, where they make it more than what it was. And it makes other people want to like get on the vibe of them wearing it, where like they took it further. So some people kind of just drain from it. And some people take it farther where it becomes even further of the trend, where it's like it comes back around because of them, not just another mm -hmm. person that's taken from the, the item where they're like wearing it. And it's like the item's cool. And it's like at the, it, their coolness comes at the expense of the thing that they're wearing. Where the other person's so cool, when they put the cool thing on, it kind of creates a different result. Where it's like, you know, it makes that item cooler, him cooler, and makes a whole general just awe around it. Where it's like there's an aura of just yeah. desirability that gets Absolutely. created, basically, by a cult of personality. You know, it's just like my personality. Yeah. And I think that, I think that this, uh, generation has really taken to um, like the thrift shop finds and everything because the the styles are just constantly in flux and different everywhere now and you see people wearing 70s hippie clothes next to people wearing 80s and 90s style clothes more or even more kind of modern and it's because of social media like we're not getting one mtv message or yeah. one style from watching Friends or Melrose Place or anything like that, where literally every Wednesday night the entire nation is sitting down and watching the show and being like, oh, my God, that's a cute shirt. Yeah. Like, I'm going to dress like that now, or I like that haircut. So now you see people falling into these, like, pockets of trends and that are, like, uh, changing rapidly all the time as people are kind of, like, trying to make their own style happen, which yeah. I think is pretty neat that um, – People are kind of almost like socially allowed to have their own personality through their styles now. Absolutely. I think that, um, I think just social media as a whole has kind of exploded everything. And especially like vintage and just clothing and fashion in general. Like, and like you said, like in the cult of personality thing where like people are able to express and fully kind of be flexible with their fashion and with their style and not only that but see other flexible people and people that they might think are visionary or um have this like these people that are, can wear things that other people don't see value in and create value and add to the value of things that like other people just don't have vision for yet mm -hmm. you gotta remember everything that happened never went away so it's like the 60s the 70s mm -hmm. or the 80s like they happened and then we had the next step, but all the stuff was still there, and the people were still there, and the experiences happened, and the band stayed. So they weren't the next big thing, but they just kept going and living anyway. It's like just because they were, like, born and you weren't paying attention to them doesn't mean they died. Like, everything still stuck around. And so, basically, they just got their time in the sun again. But sort of like all of them at once, instead of just one of them sort of getting a turn, really. They're all sort of getting sort of just like a, 
a moment where everything in the past is sort of like old and new. Because we even had a moment in like the thousands where like the 70s was this retro futuristic thing came back to. Where it was like in 1999, early 2000s, we had like a new futuristic thing with all of like the IMAX being like opaque mm-hmm. and semi-transparent and thing. But there was also like that came from this weird 70s futuristic concept. And it was like an updated retrofuturism that we had, where it was like we took 70s retrofuturism and were like kind of just like updated it a little bit. And so we kind of got away from that into future, future now. And our, our retro future now is still sort of that kind of idea. We're still looking back at that 2000s future right now in a lot of fashion and like Prada and everybody, you know what I'm saying? Everybody is still looking back for the future right now. And that's why vintage is so big is because People ran out of ideas. I mean, even the movies are a sign of that, where it's like they didn't come out with a new movie like RoboCop. They just came out with another movie, RoboCop, and it was terrible. They come out with another <laughs> it was Alien. So it was bad. Terrible. Yeah, literally. You know what I mean? So they're just derivatives of old ideas, and they don't even like doing that. That's the other reasons why they're putting out these new franchises to kill them, is because they realize they can't top them, and so they'll topple them. So that's why Star Wars is bad at the end, yeah, because they can't make it legendary. Because then what are they going to do? You know, they only can milk Star Wars. And so the only way to cut off milk in Star Wars forever is to kill Star Wars so you can come out with something else. It's like it has to just, that's the way they're looking at it. Like, okay, we're kind of stuck here. You know what I mean? And so then the fans don't understand that. They're like, why don't you just make this just like this glorious, dope story that never goes away? And they're like, this is a business, pal. Like, sorry, we got to make your cool character that you loved, like, uncool right here. So, like, you want to buy the next cool guy we put out until he's uncool. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the way it works. The same with, like, brands. And they put out something and it's like, all right, this is dope now. Like, that's why Polo had all those logos that became collectible. Because back in the day, you'd, like, show up to, like, your cool high school or whatever, and you'd have, like, some Polo with a different logo on it that like just came out and someone would have an old one and it'd be like, ah, ha, ha, like that's the old polo. Like they had like dates on there for a reason. So you'd be uncool for wearing the old ones. You had to show up with the new one that was expensive from the store. And all of a sudden it reversed. That whole thing turned around where it's like, no, you want 1988's old funky dumb one. You know what I mean? So they're going to remake the old funky 1988 dumb one and put the date on there and sell it in the store. So before it would have been like, oh no, why are you wearing last year? Now it's like, man, you better get the twenty-year-old one, dude. Last year's one is like, and eh, this year's one is, and eh, this year's one that's from twenty years ago is good. And so that's why the brands got stuck too. They were pissed because they didn't want to go backwards. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. They were like, fuck. And then when they realized they could profit by going backwards, they were like, well, here, fine. Like, we already made these designs up. You want to pay us for work we already did? All we got to do is just do it again here. Here you go. Like, But we're not moving forward at all. This is actually kind of stagnating us, if you think about it. Like, wait, we're a 1992 brand again? Fuck. <laughs> but it, they're cashing in so well on it. They're, like, they got no choice. They're like, fuck it. We're back in 1992, I guess. Right. You know what I mean? Have you noticed, like, uh, I'm curious, like a, a time disparity on kind of what era starts to pop up in popularity again as people get old enough to kind of start having disposable income like starting to want to collect things from their childhood yeah because there's a certain sensibility that you get like no matter what as you age like certain people don't gain it as much but like it seems that the people who are buying stuff to kind of either just like be cool or fill a hole in their heart or whatever or just got extra disposable like 
you know, trying hard to be cool, you know, are the type of people that are, like, younger, that are going to be, like, you know, brand conscious, basically. Like, older people typically could be brand conscious, but it'll be less important to them, because you're just more practical, especially as you get age and experience. It's just going to be less about just impractical shit, like, brand name shit, you know what I mean? Unless you actually got money like that. But then also, when you got money like that, this stuff becomes less important to you. Like, people I've known with, like, lots of means, when you already can just have all this stuff all the time, you're not going to cherish it as much. It's just like, dude, why are you freaking out over my freaking shoes? <laughs> yeah, they're a brand. So fucking what? You know what I'm saying? Like, you wear Nike shoes. I wear fucking Gucci shoes. Big fucking deal. Like, okay. You know what I mean? They're like, why are you tripping? And you're like, dude, I don't wear Gucci's fucking shoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's just all in people's heads, basically. You know what I mean? It's all a sales tactic anyway. You know what I mean? And then people expect, yeah. like, stuff. I'm paying a lot more for it because I'm getting all this quality. And really, the quality is, like, I mean, it's there, but it's not, like, fucking all that. Like, don't be buying expensive-ass shit for the quality unless you're going for, like, some shit that's touting its quality, for sure. Because most of this fashion shit is not quality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just just going over years and years and years of peering at this stuff. I mean, I've had handled and touched all of it. And you wouldn't believe how much of this stuff people would just think is fake. But it's actually real stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not all about yeah. the quality. It's a product. You know, they're trying to make money off of it. Like... You know, just the exorbitant price isn't tied with the quality at all, basically. It's it's really about the image that you're presenting. Absolutely. This is a, just an interesting topic. Yeah. No, like it goes so much deeper, I feel like, than what people you would think from the surface, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, there's, there's a lot of layers and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and a lot of knowledge and a lot of um, appreciation. You have to be a nerd and geek out on stuff and, like, really be kind of, like, psycho, like, tweaker in the fucking pile it, sometimes. It ties into the world heavily because it's tied into people, places, things, mm -hmm. times, you know what I mean? Like, people wore this stuff. It was produced for a place. It was produced for a thing. Like, it's literally, like, history. No, absolutely. You know what I mean? You're mining history in, like, pretty much every way. And that's the archival part of it, is, like, you are archiving moments and pieces and history and, like kind of a t-shirt almost as a timestamp for something that was happening at the time and so it's like the authority who desi decides what history is valuable is based on the beholder and kind of the lens applied to it and also the willing market because i mean some old stodgy guy can be like this is a million dollar artifact and if no one's buying that and there's no museum that wants that's it, why the what? term priceless right yeah because yeah. it doesn't actually have a real value or a place in society, but if somebody wants to pay for it, then yeah. it's worth what people pay for it. No, absolutely. So that's where the tricky stock market trend value stuff comes in, where, like, this stuff is constantly going in and out of favor, going up and down, where when I first got into this stuff, there's certain things that were just, you would just get money for, and they're just, like, in the tubes. And there's certain things that were just, like, absolute, like, people would consider you a clown for considering anything. And it is, like, the highest heights that you wouldn't believe. Like, literally, it just soared out of the absolute <laughs> trash into the most coveted position. Oh, so man. things can change just overnight, like, by just one person wearing a shirt or just something happens where all of a sudden, like, someone dies and then that band is just fucking, everyone's like, oh, my God, he's dead. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know what you got until you lose it you know it happened yeah to, it's like uh oh, sorry it's happened to xxx tentacion actually 
when that guy died, he was wearing some, like, Mickey Mouse, or no, it was a Winnie the Pooh, like, Letterman sort, jeans sort of thing, and, like, the next day on eBay, you'd see him up there for, like, four or five hundred dollars, same one he got killed in, and, like, all of a sudden, like, this Winnie the Pooh, like, jean jacket thing is just, like, this crazy value now, just in death. Yeah, Overnight. I, I feel like I've seen that. It's just, like, the Winnie the Pooh yeah. patch. It, it's like, a, right? it's it a 90s look. Too. Like, yeah. where it's those jean arms, and then it may have been, like, plaid here with, like, just a big chenille type of thing, maybe with, like, P for Pooh, and then Winnie the Pooh over here all embroidered. Yeah, I think he was embroidered on the back, too. And they would have yeah. done him in, like, literally, like, flannel shirts with, like, hoods attached to them with strings, where it's like, why is it a flannel, like, shirt, but then it's like a hoodie, you know what I mean? They did, like, awkward stuff in the 90s. I mean, people have always done drugs, so... (laughs) (laughs) I imagine some things like that. People were a little stoned when they came up with the design. They're like, this will work. This is what kids want today. In 2020. There, There really is a cynical aspect to like producing products that a lot of people fail to recognize because it's like big corporations putting it out for consumers and so if you have like a jaded punk rock look towards some of this stuff you can definitely feel kind of funny like how people are just like stricken with big corporate logos all over them because back in the day that was a thing that people shied away from they're like i don't want to wear a big nike thing on there and advertise for them and so that flip-flopped to where it was like Man, how hard can I advertise for Nike? And <laughs> Nike, so please true. notice me. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, man. please notice me, Nike. To where before it like was just the like hoodies with it's just like a huge swoosh. You know, it was considered <laughs> like really just like not cool. Basically, you know, it was kind of just like corporate brands were only cool for like certain things. Where it was like you know. I guess sports and jocks and stuff and then there was like you know you played golf and like grown-ups and shit you know that's why certain brands existed like Reebok wasn't cool like really they had the Reebok pump and then that was them trying to be cool and it worked but mostly they sold like those shoes that old people wear yeah Reebok is definitely an old people clothing brand Um, basically I'm kind of learning that this is a game where the longer you're in it the better you are at it so I know, Jake, you're newer at this, so I'm kind of curious, like, what you're doing to kind of get yourself up to speed so that you can be, like, more efficient or more profitable, Reading. like, when you're out looking. Um, I think for me, well, there's two parts. There's There are a few different pieces to it, right? There's the piece of it where you have to look at the stuff and look at absolute value. Like, what is absolute? Like, what can I get for this right now? Like, what, if I put thoughts on eBay, what's the lowest price you can ask and get money for right now, right? And then there's stuff like what Anthony was saying earlier where, like, you are a tastemaker or you could kind of breathe life and value and um, purpose into a piece of clothing that somebody else, like, can see and can catch on to, right? And so I think that, like, being being true to who I am, I think, is a huge thing. I want to be true to who I am. I think... Uh, like, if it's authentic and what you pick is authentic and it's true to what you say it is, then I think it works a lot of the time. Like, I think uh, you carve out your own market, you carve out your own niche of people who appreciate and value what you do, and you, you develop your audience. 
and it's a clientele because I mean I think about like music because I play music as well and you know that mm-hmm. um, and all art is bad art somebody's not gonna like what you do somebody is not going to appreciate what you make and that's okay like but if I find stuff that is genuinely interesting and exciting and valuable to me then I want to share it with the world I want to have a platform and a means to where I can display my stuff and like show other people kind of what my tastes are, what my values are, or um, what I think is fantastic, right? Okay. And so, I mean, well, what do you think, Anthony? I'm saying you're pretty much trying to figure out what your style is at this point, and kind of focusing in and dialing in, you know, what your fa- like kind of where your vibe is you know to make to stand out because everybody sort of has a vibe you know i started off with polo in the clothes realm you know because it has a collectible aspect to it and i started collecting it because the little logos were like different colors on the shirt where you could even get the same shirt but it would have a different colored Mm -hmm. little logo on that and so it like triggered this weird ocd thing too where also you could do that where you could get the little logo on the sock you can get it on the shorts, you can get it on the hat, you can get it on everything. To where all of a sudden all the little logos matched and you had them head to toe. And so I was obsessed with this for some reason. And it was like, you go to thrift stores back then and they're plentiful because no one wore it. Like no one thought polo was cool. It was like an old person, like golf tennis shirt type thing. And to me, it was like this weird thing where I was like, oh, this crazy color and I can get this and that. And I figured out they made other clothes, too, that were, like, collectible and rare and that people were, like, collecting them over in New York. And that just made it more, like, exotic and alluring where it was, like, these old clothes. And I was just, like, you started learning and going on this journey. And then all of a sudden, years later, everyone catches up where it was, like, now everyone's kind of far along on the journey where before it was, like, I was alone. I was, like, there with a machete, like, chopping bushes <laughs> around. And now it's, like, a full highway. Like, it's, like, a freeway. No, it you is. know what I mean? It's like people everyone right now. Is yeah. And like, so it was like, you know, when it was a footpath before and you'd meet someone, it'd be like, oh, wow, you're on the path. It literally was like that. Where I knew people from back then. I know them still now. And it was like, people. yeah, where it was like, man, like you're here. And it's like, yeah, we're still here. And now it's just like, you know, just a town that like, you know, it exploded. Whereas now it's just like a city. You know what I mean? It was just a little town, a little small town. And it's just this huge, massive freaking thing where it's just like so many eyes on it where kids are just every second making a new Instagram where I'm like vintage this, vintage that with like four shirts or their dad's shirts. Like literally there's kids that will go and get their dad's shirts out of the closet that are old and just start listing them and just because they want to get into it. And they'll start listing like crazy dope shit because guess what? They're jacking their dad's ill shirt yeah. Yeah. and their dad is getting fucking pissed because, you know, he's fuck, you sold my fucking Nirvana shirt, dude? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude. Like, yeah, dude. Like, you know what I mean? It it's happened like with that. a Grateful Dead shirt. Remember that Blues for Allah one I was supposed to get? Yeah. Some chick listed a 1981 like, Grateful Dead t-shirt. Probably oh. right now, like, $100, $150 t-shirt. Yeah. Easy. Fucking $6. I bought it. I was like, hey, uh, here's my shipping info. Just send it whenever you can. Like doesn't get back to me for a whole month. I'm trying to reach this chick. She finally gets back to me. He's like, hey, um, I talked to my dad about it. He saw me trying to ship it, and he took the shirt back. He's like, you can't sell this shirt. And, like, it just goes to show, like, that same thing where people are fiending to get into this market right now and fiending just to, like, 
be at some of the places like that we're pretty privileged to be able to go to, like Rose Bowl. Yeah. Rose Bowl is a place of like. What is Rose Bowl? It's. Well, I mean, like, is it like the same thing as where the football games play? Like, it's at the same stadium. It's okay. in Pasadena. Um, every second Sunday of the month, and basically like all of these names and vintage and all these people and vintage and just in picking and digging all together just kind of sort of come together um probably the main epicenter for vintage events as far as the west coast goes basically I would say. okay and one of the biggest ones in the world it draws people from all around the world and it's it's, it's world famous basically it's huge and I don't think there's really a place like it besides it, you know, as no. far as selection for vintage clothing and dealers and how long it's been there. It's been know. there forever, like yeah. 30 years. Yeah. So you said you felt lucky to get in. Did you get, like, a vendor spot? Is that, like, you got to showcase your stuff, or? He's had a spot for years. Yeah, I've been going there for a long time, and there's always been vintage clothing there. But the definition of vintage clothing changed, and I was, like, there watching it happen. So that before, it wouldn't have been like this. Like, everything is just completely different than how it was, you know? What's so, different? Well, because there was only really a market for it for novelty buyers that just wanted second second hand was vintage. Like, they were really a fine line, right? And then the real vintage was Japanese buyers, foreign yeah. buyers, because they had a taste for our stuff. But what the vintage they were buying is actually true vintage, as in like mid-century clothing or older, like antique yeah. clothing, like valuable clothing, because it's like more valuable than even just, you know, the fact that it has something printed on it that's desirable. It's like, this is a freaking antique pair of Levi's or whatever. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so they would come there to buy that kind of stuff. And they sort of started getting muscled in because we started, because we were selling that stuff to the foreigners and beefing up it sort of created a domestic market for it based on nostalgia and sports gear sports gear is kind of what brought it in because there was always a second hand market for sports gear and then the second hand market for band shirts so the band shirt market kind of morphed into all shirts the sports gear market kind of morphed into all gear, like designer gear and street gear. Like, you know, everything just extended because people just was like, this isn't that hard to get into this lane from this lane. Like, everyone just sort of branched out. And so everybody just got into new lanes. Where before it was sort of, like I said, band shirts and sports gear. Where there was guys that sold old jerseys and yeah. everything for every team. Because, like, sports gear is like billions of dollars. It's like more people wear sports gear than brand gear. Yeah. And so sports gear was huge. And then band shirts, because obviously there's band movements, like punk rockers. Punk rockers kept all of their clothes. It didn't care how old they were or whatever. You know, you kept your punk rock shirt. And then so skateboarding kind of gets lumped in there because after a certain point, skateboarding has always had a collectible thing since the 80s where there was old school skating. And then... Oh, man, I still have my... Big old fluffy marshmallow shoes from like the early two thousands. Like yeah. I don't ever want to get rid of those. Exactly. So comfy and just fun yeah, and yeah. big and you know. So the 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 punk rock Heck yeah. and <laughs> skateboarding and then the the band shirts and rock and roll like basically the kind of the cross between all of the cultures and all of the people because everybody kind of took part in all of the cultures kind of gelled into what we have now because the internet gelled it all. So every scene kind of came together and everyone respected each other and kind of liked what each, what each other thing 
is, you know, where it's like, rap people wear Grateful Dead shirts and stuff like that, to where it was always sort of like that, and there was always a kind of a cross-pollination there, but it just became way more, makes more sense now. Everything just makes more sense to where there's just like toy companies that put out t-shirts with band collaborations. You know what I'm saying? It's like weird like that, where everything is just now like, just mix it up. Yeah, literally just kind of, all these webs are kind of tangling together. Yeah, the web of pop culture and marketable stuff. Because that's the thing is, you got to spice up this stuff somehow. Because it, it's, the, it's the, the economy. they got to constantly grow the economy. they got to consume constantly. So mm-hmm. what can they do to constantly spin something to make you want to buy it, basically? So they'll try everything. It's like, slap two logos on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, just we do. Let's make two, <laughs> two different companies' logos on there. Or Nike will just put two of the same logos on there now. You know what I'm saying? Nike, Nike. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, literally, it is so. Yeah. Well, they'll just go down the list. Like, we tried that yet? Like, we did that in the 90s, but have we tried it, like, lately? Nah, do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like every single thing has been, like, really done if you run down the list. See through mm-hmm. shoe, transformer shoe, like, Freaking hologram shirts, clothes with like you know TVs in the chest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like freaking clothes that flip inside and out. You can unzip your short, unzip your it's short yeah, pants. Yeah, it does when I was growing up. You know what I mean? Like super baggy, super tight. You know what I mean? Right. Everything. Oh shines. man, dude! One of my uh, new favorite fashions that's been coming out. They're like the uh, the reflective clothes and purses. Oh yeah, like the, oh, they have like anti paparazzi hoodies now, oh, where um, like you can put flashes. up your hoodie, and when the flash goes off, it reflects so brightly that everything else gets really darkened. And wow, then they also have uh, like purses. Purses are really cool. They have like they're like a bunch of little like polygrams and stuff like all over it, like almost pieced out, and like they look normal. But if you take a picture with a flash, it's like super bright, like reflection. Wow, trip out. It's really fun. Yeah, I, I didn't even know about that. That's really cool. Yeah, I've just been seeing it pop, pop up. Um, but I have do have a question um, because so in a lot of industries, it's kind of like competition doesn't really matter very much because there's so many people that whatever, there's enough to go around. But I feel like in the vintage market, like it's kind of like uh, the pool doesn't keep getting bigger. Like, yeah, it's, it, knowledge is power. It's kind of predatory in some aspects, you know what I'm saying? Because, especially when I got into the game. So I've changed the dynamic a little bit in my zone and how I've tried to treat things because I didn't appreciate the game. When I got into it, there was a lot of people that knew their shit. They were very tight-lipped about it, and they were very competitive, and, you know, it was very like that. And so I kind of invented my own thing and just did my own thing and kind of learned as I went along. And people kind of got pissed when I was, like, you know, getting successful, whatever would work with me. And so a lot of people are around now doing stuff that I was doing then and joyfully embracing it and acting like it's the coolest thing to do when they were literally, like, on the Internet mocking me for it and doing the exact opposite because they didn't see any value in it. And so that's just one of the things of it. But it's really predatory because, like I said, the, the knowledge of knowing whether something is really expensive and then capitalizing on it while someone else is slipping. That's inherently like, you know, yeah. capitalism. It just boils down to just pure, this is a purely capitalistic thing, basically. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, so it's one of those things where I'm a hippie, you know, so I try to like soften that a lot, you know, where 
most of the times I'm not doing it in an overtly assertive way where I'm just like, hey, let me buy. I don't feel entitled to people's shit. I'm trying to save this shit. So if they're out there selling it for a fucking buck and don't give a shit, guess what? I'm going to soak it up and I'm going to make use out of it. You know, I don't feel like, you know, people got shit and I want it. And I'm like, oh, you're asking too much. Because there's people that are like that. They feel entitled to other people's shit and they get kind of like jealous and shitty about it. Or they feel like, you know, like this, like they're getting like people are fucking so dumb that they're selling them to this price. And, you know, so people get like kind of entitled and then just like snobby about it feel so smart, you know, so I don't do that, because I really, I put myself in other people's shoes, you know, where you're sitting there, and you're buying this stuff, and it's like, dude, this person, it doesn't have any value to them, they're not, like, in your shoes, where it's like, you can go and turn around and get some money for it, and they're happy to get a buck from you, so don't get all fucking, like, oh, oh, you know what I mean, and second of all, you know, people, a lot of this stuff would end up in the trash, if it wasn't for people like me turning up to make a buck off of it, guess what? You know, this shit would be nowhere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing is that these people aren't doing, they aren't valuing You could almost argue that your uh, industry is helping preserve culture by keeping it alive. By respecting it. By teaching people to respect it, too. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, like, see things are cool and they love and admire the item, but then you tell them the price and it's just like, ah, well, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, well, dude. You know, the, the resources it takes to acquire one of these, hold on to it and get into selling it and or just keeping one, it's not like how it was. You know what I mean? Like, sorry that you just can't have things on a whim. So people don't respect money and respect things often. And when they do, you know, you start holding on to stuff a lot more and you start seeing things differently. And so when other people don't respect stuff and you get it and then you properly respect it, that's where the price change. You know what I mean? And so you can't teach people to respect things for them. So that's, you know, one of those things to where I, I pretty much have my life philosophy towards it, where it's just like, you know, I can't teach you to fucking respect this shit. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and be like, hey, dummy, you should be selling this for $300 to me because this is super valuable. <laughs> it's sort of like, hey, you show up. You know what I mean? You're slipping like that. But then also there's other times too. I don't even follow that stiff to where there's a lot of people I know personally and they're just like friends or whatever. I don't get all vulture and just buy every fucking thing that I see like that and vacuum it up. I'll tell people shit and be nice and, and you know, and help them. And so people appreciate that, too, where you're just not some fucking capital vulture that's just trying to fucking vacuum up everybody's fucking things with perceived value and then turn around and hike it up, you know what I mean? Like you're just some fucking, you know, machine, money machine, basically, yeah. where it's like, oh, how much you want for this one? All right, I got to get it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's people like that, and I encounter them where it's yeah, just like they only buy things with a certain percentage, and they're only trying to come up. Like, they don't shop for real. Because I started putting that lens on myself at one point. I was buying, I started realizing, the only time I was buying stuff was when I was making money. Because it was like I was getting arrogant. I was making money off of everything. So even the stuff that I wanted from myself, I was like, oh, I can't pay that for that. I'm like, I just paid 10 for this, and I just sold it for 200. I'm like, I started going to these, like, mental gymnastics. And start realizing how much of a fucker I am. And I'm like, dude, this guy's just trying to make a sell. Like, you are trying to make a sell sometimes. He's trying to get a buck. You know, he wants to get some fucking money. That's $30 right. for this shit. Pay the fucking man. It's good karma. You know what I'm saying? Don't sit yeah. here and fucking have to squeeze every time. Because how you want someone to treat you when you're trying to make a sell? So then being like, fucking no, no, no. I never pay nobody. But here I want top dollar for shit. And so there's a bunch of people like that where they're just fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll never pay you. Slow pay you. Oh, yeah, I really want that. Never get around to buying but when they go around to sell them, please believe it's like, oh, yeah, 800 you know, they have no problem just fucking throwing that out there. You know what I mean? So 
that's the funny part of the vintage game right now. Oh, it is funny. It's you see people with shirts, literally trying to sell them for like eight, nine hundred bucks. And not to say that a shirt isn't worth that to some people, but like, man, people really are vultures out here. I'll see people try to snipe each other so bad sometimes. You're not a collector or a fan yeah. of the band, and you they're just, just trying like to it. attack somebody that's a fan of the band. And so I, I take great offense to that. I think, yeah, I think uh, you'd said it once where it's like, why are you going to tax me for something that I love and that I care about that you don't give, like, a single fuck about, right? Like, it's a disgrace to the actual, like, culture of what that thing is almost to some some extent. You're holding it ransom. Yeah, you are. You're literally (laughs) holding it ransom. You're holding my shit ransom, And I'm a true fan. Like, I'm somebody who, like, actually cares about this or actually likes this. And you want to ask $150, $200 for a shirt you bought two, you bought probably for like anywhere from two to 10 bucks. That comes around from entitlement too. You don't, you can't feel entitled to people's shit and they're allowed to set their price. You know what I'm saying? So when they're arrogant about the price, you just got to move on. But you recognize it for what it is though, where it's just like, damn motherfucker. But like I said, I'm not going to feel entitled to the motherfucking shit. No, absolutely. But still, like I said, it just sucks when people hold shit for ransom. Because I've asked, I've put out requests for shit. I'm like, I made it this and this and that. and felt like a damn fool when I did that. Because everybody just came at me with wow high prices. And I'm like, man, I'm like, dog, I I actually fuck with Judge Dredd. And like, that shirt ain't all that dope. Like the ones I got, I spent like seventy dollars on. You're hitting oh, you me like two hundred dollars. Yeah, and I'm like, I could tell you where these shirts come from. I'm like, there's Judge Dredd shirts. Yeah, yeah they're sick, dude. And it's like I don't know. They're like hype got behind <laughs> it. There's, sure. there's a cross collectability because there is actually stable memorabilia like collectors who collect comic books and collect Judge Dredd because it's in the UK where people got some real bread too. And so then there's also the hype behind it. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, it's an expensive shirt on the internet. And so any shirt that people go on the internet and figure out is expensive is going to get some real life like hype behind it. So it wasn't even really expensive because of any sort of like thing. Judge Dredd is dope. Don't get me wrong. I love him. But he wasn't really in the pop consciousness like that. It's just sort of he had a lot of reverence from the people like me who really fuck. We really fuck with him solid. And that rubs off onto every other fucker who's sitting around trend humping being like, Oh yeah, Judge Dredd. Just because they know other people got really hard feelings yeah. about them, they, it's just it creates this you know coveting effect where it's like I gotta like it because there's other people that really like it, so that means that this is cool too. Yeah, you know what I mean. So all of a sudden it's like fuck, guys. You know what I mean. And I think there's a punk rock thing because it's like there was a lot of less cool shirts back in the day to wear when you're a punk rocker. And Judge Dredd had these really dope shirts in the 80s. I think punk rockers really would have wanted to wear. Like, I know Anthrax had a Judge Dredd and Judge Death on their shirts. So it kind of crossed over into metal and punk rock and then collectible, like, comic book thing. And so it drives the market up on them where it's just like, I can't get one. Same with Aliens. Aliens has mainstream, mainstream appeal. And then also just, like, nerd appeal, like, true collector fan appeal where it's like, man, I fuck with Aliens tough. But guess what? So does fucking everybody now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it ain't saying nothing no more. We're back in, like, you know, the 90s. It was like, oh, you like that fucking movie? That's cool. Yeah, it is a cool movie. Now it's like, fucking aliens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking, ooh, ooh, have you seen these yeah. aliens? These guys got all the action figure alien guys. You have the big one where it folds out. Yeah. And like, oh, all man. the different colored ones and, like. Oh, it's an OCD thing since the 90s when I saw the movie. It's like that with everything. See, when I get the sickness, it never goes away, so it's consistent. It just manifested itself 
when this growing state is advanced and you have more money, you know. But I was a kid when all this stuff came out, and I still was doing everything I could to get all these toys by trading or just yeah. I would just shoplifting. <laughs> I would get <laughs> my parents <laughs> to buy them. Like I was incessant, like like just need, you know what I mean, for stuff. I would always lose my stuff. That's the thing I think that drives this is I grew up in a really rough environment, and so I get a bunch of stuff, and then I would have to move or something. And back in the day, like, adults didn't value kids like shit. Like, they wouldn't be like, all right, we're going to move and let you keep all your shit. It was like, we're going to sell it at a garage sale and give it to your friends down the street. Where it was like, like, my parents told me, oh, yeah, like, your Nintendo got water spilled on it. And then, like, a couple years later, I go over to my homeboy's uh, house. Like, and he's got my Nintendo. And I'm like, yo, and like, yeah, your parents sold it to my dad, like, a while ago when you were moving. And, like, all oh, my Nintendo shit's there. I'm like fuck, yo, like, it's fucking burnt, <laughs> and so, I went and complained to my parents, and they actually went and bought me another Nintendo, of course, but I didn't get to keep that one for long, either, it was, like, two years later, it's like, oh, you know, I had, like, ten different Nintendo trips in my yeah. life, where it was, like, I didn't get to keep the same, like, some people, you go to their fucking shit, and they're at, a, at their house, they had all their stuff in their past, every from the console, 80s. dude, you know what I mean, all their stuff original from when they had it, and they're like, yeah, I got it sitting in the attic, dude, I went and had all that stuff, Lost it every single place I move. I would literally build up again and then lose it and build up again. And so it's got me in this weird like mode where I'm constantly like, I gotta build up and get this stuff. And now I don't lose my stuff, so I end up being this freaky deaky hoarder with everything. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh no. Do you just have like a shed? He has Dude, a garage. garage. Two garages. Yes. The garage Still two so garage. so at any time if someone was like, hey. You have to pay me fifty grand, otherwise I'm killing you or something. You're like, cool man, I'm just gonna sell the shit in my garage. Give me a yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. No, honestly, <laughs> like that's your bank account basically. Yeah, and w- here's the other thing is going into financials too, because this is another silly thing. I'm a pretty intelligent guy with financials, and so <coughs> I was laughing because I've already went over this with some really smart people that were like, you know, computer people. You know, like they're all like college guys, and a long time ago they were just like, yeah you know, this and this and that. And I would always joke and be like, maybe I should just get into selling flashlights or something. Everybody has <laughs> flashlights. I'm like, you know, this and this and that. I can make a killing. But then I started doing the math and realized, like, if I kept my money or put it into some bullshit, you know what I'm saying? I started, like, looking and doing the math of, like, what would have done best. The fucking skyrocketing price and all the junk that I was putting my money into, like, fucking killed it. Like, the, the percentage was, like, literally I'm spending a dollar on things that turned into 20, 30, 50, 100. Like, it was just, like, every single, it's, like, and what I literally was doing was incessantly, like, it seems like just a mad thing. And while I was doing it, I was just, like, crazy. I was going into all these thrift stores and buying bags and bags and going to every one and coming home with, like, six, eight garbage bags full of things and sitting there for, like, two hours putting clothes on and taking pictures and selling it. And making tons of money, but I couldn't sell it all fast enough. So I felt like a nut that even though I was making money, all this stuff was just adding up around me and I wasn't getting rid of it. Dude, the stuff started getting worth more and more. So it made me even more like crazy about getting rid of it. Where like I was I was getting points where I'm like, okay, who gives a shit? Let's go out and sell the stuff in piles. And then like two months later, some of the stuff I was selling for like 10, 20 bucks, it's all of a sudden like the desirable fucking thing. Yeah, and I'm like sitting here like hot. I'm like shit in my pants. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is happening? Like I'm like I keep on thinking there's a cap, the stuff won't keep exploding, you know, there's no more inflation, and I realize the inflation is just never going to stop, it just inflates and inflates, and as I sit on the shit, I keep laughing as fucking garbage keeps, toilet paper keeps on turning into fucking, like, value, 
You know what I'm saying? Even now, yeah. toilet paper is actual yeah. toilet paper. <laughs> it's valuable. It's actually yeah. valuable. <laughs> you can really count on just our, our, our shit just getting so expensive to where it already is so expensive. You don't want to go to the mall and you want to buy something yeah. secondhand. But guess what? That already happened so bad to where something secondhand is expensive and like going to the mall and you're running out of fucking options here. You know what I mean? People are running out of, so my whole garage, like I said, if I would have sunk, just kept all the money, if I would have been some dipshit, the money was just like going down in value, you know what I'm saying, while everything else is fucking inflating. So I actually made this fucking amazing investment where I was taking all my cash and pouring it into just like bullshit material things, you know, to make me happy and shit. Turns out the whole time I was just sitting there rolling this fucking wheel where I was getting money back on my hand and buying more and buying more and oh, getting yeah. left over with tons of it that I just, no matter what. You you have shift. a grip of stuff. It's two massive rooms. <laughs> and even in my house, stuff. it's, it's overflowing. Dude. It's because I've been so consistent. And also I removed like the blockages a long time ago that a normal person would have about stuff where they're like, oh, I don't need you know, this amount of this, <laughs> or this is too much of this. And you're like, nah, fuck there. that. I like, mean, I bet you're the best white elephant gifter. Oh, in man. Southern California. I actually did that a little while ago. <laughs> yeah. At, uh, at last Christmas. No, literally. Yeah, I did that last Christmas, and yeah, I did give somebody some shit that was, like, stupid dope. It was, like, something that were, like, fucking everybody was, like, fucking, yeah, yeah. Like, cause I, and it were just shirts, too, because I was, like, it'd be easy for me to just do I, shirts. But uh, the shirts that I picked, fucking everybody wanted. It was, like, the fucking hit gift. Right. So it, that's the other thing is, too, this stuff wears off on you when you're doing it like me. So, to me, I'm just so surrounded by all this stuff. Sometimes it's like I'm a fish in the water. And then other people get around it, and they're just like, what the fuck? And so it activates me, because then it reminds me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually do got a lot of cool stuff. Look at this thing, isn't he? Wow, yeah. And then everyone else is just, like, you know, reminding me. Because, dude, a lot of times I'll literally be sitting there, and this guy will be there, and I'll just be kicking shit around and stepping on shit and being like, oh, yeah, that's fucking thing. And other people will be like, what the fuck? No, literally. You know, oh my god, like, why do you got that curled up in the rag over there? And I'm like, well, how many of these? You go into his garage and you'll open up a duffel bag and it's just filled with, like, tiny, small shit that you want. And you just look at it and you're just like, what the fuck? This is all, like, cool stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. And even down to little tiny things where I got, like, somewhere in some box, I I pulled a box out because it had Legos in it. I had a pin in there that I knew was in there from, like, Four houses I lived in to go because I had a whole shelf of always Legos on. <laughs> I had this Louis Vuitton pin, and it wasn't even worth nothing at the time. It was just neat to me because I liked it. And also I looked at it, I was like a seventy-five dollar pin. I'm like, I just took all my shelves and just scooped it in there. And then I was like, I know that pin's in there. And I'm like going through his Legos. I'm like, Boop, there's the fucking pin. You know what I mean? Where it's like down to the little minuscule shit where I can't even like if I clear my garage out, I have to literally sweep and go through the dust. Because there'll be, like, action figure guns in there worth, like, 20 bucks. And, like, missiles worth 20 bucks. And I can't tell people when they're going through and throwing shit away. I'm like, no, hold up, hold up. I'm, like, pulling papers out of there and fucking things. I'm like, no, dog, this is a file card for this guy. He's, like, like, $20 file card. You know what I mean? It's, like, every one of my things is like that. Where I've just, like, slowly just accumulated by sitting there and being like, oh, this is how much? And just bought a pile of stuff. And it all had value before. And then the value just keeps inflating, like I said, to where just a piece of paper that was three dollars is fifteen dollars now. You know that's what I mean? Crazy. And someone will fucking buy it. Yeah, that's the thing. You, know I mean? you take it out and you put it in a place where people are looking for stuff, like the swap meet per se, right? Or like the Roseville flea market, or you go to a you just go to a gathering of people and people look at your stuff and 
sure as shit, somebody will buy something that you just have had forever, and, like, they all of a sudden they covet it and want it, and, like, you get the money for it, and you're just like, what the heck? And it really is a trip. Like, you go out there. Like, I brought some stuff out there sometimes that I'm just, like, bought something three or four years ago, and I'm like, why did I buy this? Yeah. And somebody will spend, like, 30 bucks on it, and you're just like, holy shit. Like, holy you, shit. <laughs> it's a little bit alarming, though, because here's the other thing. We're kind of like, there's a carcass here from the past of America that's growing thin because we aren't making stuff the same way. We don't make all of this cool stuff the same way. It's even more disposable. You sold the person the shirt they fucking wanted. Like, you know what I mean? I was the one turning my nose up at it, and they would have been like, oh, you don't got the fucking Ohio PTA shirt I was looking for. <laughs> and so he actually is serving the customer's needs, and he, you know, that's why they and appreciate that's the thing. It. You cut out your audience. Yeah. You cut out the people who see life in the same tint that you do, you know? Like, they're... And that's why, like, even there's a guy named Vintage Miner on Instagram who we just, he, he posts a bunch of funny shit. We laugh at it. <laughs> cool dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was even saying, like, he's like, man, like, I see value in all these obscure t-shirts from the 70s and 80s because some of the prints on them are really cool and some of the stuff on these is interesting and, like, stuff that's caught my attention in my eye. Because, like, I think that, like, I think just the quality, I don't know, like, there's definitely something to be said about in this day and age, people just sort of want something vintage and truly vintage, even, like, and just will wear it and rock it, and, like, I think it goes to show where fashion is right now, where, like, you can really do anything, and, like, there's an audience for it, and there are people who will take something you have and make it even cooler than you made it, right, like, or make it even... Like, they wear something in a way that you just never even envisioned it being worn, or, like, it's just really cool to me. Like, it's just, it's a very, it's, the dynamic is always shifting and changing, and it's, it's, it excites me. Um, and it's exciting to be around, and, like, just, like, even just going to places like the Rose Bowl, where you see all these, like, moguls of fashion and of, like, collecting, like, these Japanese people who come to the Rose Bowl, literally have books in Japanese like about our like, the denim that we've just discarded and just didn't see as valuable and like they mm. as far as archiving they study goes, it yeah. they study our shit like museum quality like like curation where these people understand and like just humbly just fucking try to recreate everything down to the last detail and just respect it. And it's beautiful. To the utmost. It's like it's an art. It. And so everybody here sort of took it for granted. I mean, everybody was really practical here, especially back in the times this stuff came from. People were no nonsense. It was like, you know, I got to get my ass in the mine. You know yeah. what I mean? And so it comes from that. And so some sort of real history. But then I think culturally, there's something that ties into with the exoticness of the West because, I mean, I'm super into like stuff from the east you know what i'm saying and so that's one of the things to where just like how i would just die for a whole bunch of just funky transformers from japan and a bunch of their <laughs> yeah. clothes oh, and stuff real. you know oh, yeah you know so they, you they like all of our weeks? stuff so like got some of these okay. introducing me was it benoit balls oh yeah so i got these ones actually from china from my uncle oh, and then right. i found those ones at the thrift shop they match those ones are cool. I like but that. This one is, he brought this back. This is really cool. Incense burner? Yeah. Yo, that nice. thing is fucking sick. Right? Nice. And then the dinosaur. 
That's fucking old school. I've had that for forever. Remember those little pop-out things? Hey, hell yeah. It's like the little, uh, the things you get at the toy store that you had to make the toy. Right? Yeah. Wood Lego, I think this was one of my favorite things, though. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, it's fucking... Sucks, though, is my uncle doesn't even remember getting it for me. (laughs) He did some drugs. It it looks like it's from a smoke shop. Totally, little head shop. Speaking of head shop, we need to find a head shop and pull some shirts out of there. I already did all that, and that's done. I I know it's done. It's done, done. Like, even the ones that I pulled stuff from, it was, like, the signs that the shit got raided. Like, there was already a... Like, people wanted all that head shop shit before the vintage shit. No, It's already been big. Like, you know what I mean? That shit was always good. Yeah. Because hippie shit is worth money no matter what. No, absolutely. It's an old black light poster. People love hippie shit. Oh, because it's sick. Yeah. It's cool. Counterculture. It's just... And it's just... Hippie shit is just fun when you're doing drugs. I don't want to click them together. My hands are small. Here, try these ones. I think... Well, the ringing noise inside is part of the relaxing. The health? Yeah, but you're yeah. not supposed to clang them. you got to go like this, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Oh, smooth. <laughs> Guy's got the technique down. And then the other part is you're supposed to hit nerves in your hand that oh, relieve word. stress. Word. That makes sense, because these things are fucking rad. They used to do kung fu movies. Where there was one where the guy uses, uses a weapon. He uses it in the striker. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They used everything as a weapon in the kung fu movies, you know. That's awesome. You guys got those reversed. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Some yeah. like boxes. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Big balls and small packages. Yeah, those things are fun. Yeah, I've had these ones since I was a little kid, which is crazy. Like I remember my grandma had a pair of them. They're so solid. Like no, you shouldn't give things like this to children. Like oh, it's no. amazing. Like that's the only scuff on it. <laughs> like I've dropped know. these so many times, like they're solid. Like, like it's amazing. Can you do reverse though? Yeah, That's oh the trick. Shit. <laughs> yeah. It's easier this way because like your thumb can take it. Damn, but you got the techniques, bro. I've been doing this since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't tried it in a while though. They're pretty My much parents a, never let me. You can, you can, you can, <laughs> you can see the age difference. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Right. Oh, so is it just the wear on something that's older. Like, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun, too, because, like, I've like, just, like, going, I've been going to thrift stores and just, like, secondhand stores pretty much since, like, my, se- like, being in, like, seventh, eighth grade. And even before that, like, my grandma, me and her would go to garage sales when I was, like, in probably anywhere from, like, like six years old to, like, 12, 13. And, like, just looking for novel, cool stuff that, like, is fun to put around your house or fun to put around your room or stuff like, like, right now, like, you have your dope little intent holder. I have a skull. I got it at a garage sale for a dollar. That's just, like, this wax, crazy, detailed skull that I've literally just melted the incense stick bottom down into, and it burns incense, and it's, like, my incense holder. Oh, it's that's cool. Awesome. You know what I mean? It's dope. It's just like this skull sitting in my room with like incense ash all over it, like ashing on him and <laughs> like, or even just art. Like I've been getting, just trying to find art more and just like, because I mean, when I have my own house someday or I have, um, something that I can like use creatively or space that like is both serves form and function, 
I want both those things there. I want the form of just like interesting, unique, exotic stuff around my house because I think it like I think it just enriches your life. I think your quality of your life is better. Yeah, because like I think about people, like it blows my mind when people don't have. They don't have things, or they don't have like objects they think are fun. Because I, I don't know. It's just to me, it's like essential. Like I need something. I need some fun, dumb thing in my room, to for me to look at every now and again, or like just for people to see when they walk in. And it's uh. Oh yeah, I mean it. it like it kind of, it kind of showcases your personality a bit. Like it, it, it makes your house your home. Like doing stuff like that, you know. No, and um, and that's and that's exactly it. Because I want to turn my house into my home. I want it to be my dwelling space, my space I feel creative, my space that I feel comfortable in, and like I think in regards to creativity, the the first one especially like when you have a space that has interesting stuff around it, like it inspires me to make different music or like create new things or like um, having a space where like I can create art and not feel inhibited by my surroundings like i'm sure you experienced that just with this too like oh, having yeah. your having your space that like you can i mean one of my favorite days of last year was when i went out and did this like i've been collecting art slowly for forever you need to come to swap me with it though <laughs> i sick, have dude. to now you'll find some you know, some stuff at the swap me that'll blow your mind oh like, yeah i did so last year was the first uh i did a bong building competition yeah i'm helping you with that this year yeah let's you get are. it dude i'm so excited and so yeah. So part of it is, uh, so there's basically every team goes in draft order and selects a piece at a time to build a handmade, like handcrafted bong out of random shit. Mm-hmm. But part of it is they have to use a specialty item. And so last year we collected a bunch of random shit, everything from like bend pipes to gas mask to a children's lightsaber oh, and all sorts of shit. Yeah, no, we're making bongs on. We're getting down. We're, like, going to do some sick shit. I'm yeah. excited, dude. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so Where I definitely, like, I hit the flea markets and the thrift stores, like, finding random shit that could possibly be made into bongs. So that's going to be my thrift shop challenge this year. making a gravity one? Oh, yeah, that was made last year. Actually, the yeah, winning bong yeah, last gra- year was a gravity bong connected to a gas mask with the children's lightsaber as a unicorn horn. That was... <laughs> <laughs> I've MacGyvered some crazy bongs, man. No, that's, that's dude. Let's get a team together. Remember oh, yeah. that back in the half, like, was it half baked? Where the dude jokes about doing the fucking, uh, was like an avocado with a snorkel or some mm-hmm. shit. Like, <laughs> we used to like do those on purpose. Like, we used to do that. Where it was like, can you do the avocado with the snorkel? And like, Fuck yeah! And so we got an avocado and a snorkel out and did it just to that full bench from that shit. That's we fucking do, hilarious. We do all that kind of shit, dude. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Dude. Like the the guy I partnered with to do it, his name is uh, Master Bong. Yeah. Step out of San Francisco, and he's the self-proclaimed MacGyver of pot. Yeah, because he's made uh, smoking things out of over a hundred different objects. Like his favorite that I saw is he got a Dremel, and he drilled out a little almond, oh. and like smoked out of an almond. Oh. Like that's he, <laughs> wild. That's silly. Man. I love uh, just like there's like you sometimes like just like go visit the flea market and stuff. You'll find like the old pot magazines. And, like, looking through them, like, and seeing all the different tools that people were making back right. in the day for, like, smoking weed. Like, a knife that you could smoke, a, like, a bowl on. Dude, they had, uh, what is it called? Like, pipes that have nitrous 
in a lipothane pipe. <laughs> <laughs> they really had these dudes. No, for real though. Of nitrous pipes, bro. I was like, what the I'm fuck? just getting fucking next level. But that's the stuff. thing, dude, is you see these ads in these fucking magazines, and it's the best, dude. Yeah. Oh man. That had to be some hardcore. This one? Shit. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this is actually new. It's uh boycott shitty weed. It's my business partner's new business. Hey, that's what's up. So just making apparel and like all that stuff. But hey, that's what's up. I love it because everyone like I'll be wearing like weed shirts. I'm wearing a uh, CBD shirt right now, and people will be like boycott weed. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, bro, I'm wearing like three other marijuana pro marijuana things. I'm like. Of course, it's not boycott weed. Yeah, but boycott shitty weed. But it's uh, also that gets the message out there more because people are gonna sit there and be like, "Huh, what?" You know what yeah, I, mean? I don't get it. Yeah, but yeah. So uh, tell the people where they can find you on social media, or if you have a website or an eBay handle. Yeah. Or, uh, you so know. obviously on Instagram at I Got Polo, and you can find us at Kobe Swap Meet. I think the third Sunday of every month, once the coronavirus scare is over. And you can find us the second Sunday of every month over at Pasadena Rose Bowl. And then pretty much that's it right now. We had a whole, I have a whole lot of other things that were going down. We're working on the stuff coronavirus too. kind of uh, shut them down. But I have a Grateful Dead like exhibition that I'm doing in a place over called Good Friday San Diego. And then. You know, maybe some other things popping up around town, like basically art or fucking vintage things, you know what I mean? And then me and this guy are planning on doing some other media ventures maybe over here, like trying to do some sort of, uh, was it live streaming? Yeah, we want to do a live stream. Maybe some cool. event planning. So. The show, dude, the sewer show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, We're we got a few events planned, so yeah. But yeah, you, you do your spiel now, man. Yeah, no, uh, it's my spiel now. <laughs> um... Yeah, same thing, just me echoing what he said. Third Sunday, Kobe's uh, second Sunday at the Rose Bowl. Um, if you're, if anyone listening to this is in that area, we'd love to see you stop by. We're oh, pretty yeah. much just hanging out all day, doing our thing, and just kicking it. Um, Instagram, What's your uh, Instagram, yeah? Foster's Fantastic Finds. Foster's Home for Fantastic No, no, I changed it. Uh, Foster's I changed Fantastic Finds. I like okay. that. It's better. It's yeah, better. I told you that. Just you did. No, you did. That's the, uh, what is it? The, the alliteration. The, there we go, the alliteration. No, um, yeah, and just like, I think that right now, and maybe this is just how I'm feeling, but I think right now, especially, like, there's, a, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, um, but anyways, like, there is more of a need to create events. And to be people who curate cool things and to organize cool things than ever, especially because so many like-minded people are finding out, like, there, there are a lot of collectors right now in San Diego. There are a lot of people who actually care about vintage right now in San Diego. Um, we have, like, this community is a true community, and, like, I want to see, like, everyone in the community work together and make some cool stuff, like, and even him, me and him are planning shows, um events just whatever we really can get our hands on to do yeah. something cool you know like and just because i mean nothing nothing exciting or really new is going to happen until somebody does like we have a buddy named marcos shop via uh if anyone on instagram is out there <laughs> the, the shop via v-i-l-l-a he's the homie um he's been organizing this kobe swap meet thing every third sunday of the month at yeah. kobe's and like 
thank you. Like, just thanks like to people like that. Like, it gives us opportunity and like just to be able to reflect that back out into our community. Yeah. Um, and like they, we have other homies too. We've been talking about doing this stuff with our buddy Corey. He's Sunday's Vintage on Instagram. Um, our buddy James, really rad dude. Yeah, um, Trap God. Trap God, yeah, but yeah, not Trap God. To... Life is killing me. Vintage. Oh, uh, uh, well, shout out to Trap God then too. Yeah, shout out, to, <laughs> shout out to the homies, dude. Shout out to Trap God. Yeah. Uh, Life is killing me, Vintage. Shout out to Corey, Sunday's Vintage. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Exiled Vintage. He's the homie. He never taxes on stuff that I really want. You know what I mean? Um, shout out. I got Polo right next to me for bro. being the homie and looking out. Basically, uh, if we didn't shout you out, don't be salty when yeah. you're listening. Because we just didn't remember you, motherfucker. <laughs> or you ain't the homie. You know what I'm saying? No, literally, literally. <laughs> but uh, looking forward, I was going to say, I think the beach is going to be popping this summer. Because yeah. everybody's still going to be on lockdown. And everybody's going to feel safe at the beach. I know I feel safe when I go to the beach and ain't going to get sick. Because it's like, where are the germs going to be at? In the sand and the water. You know what I mean? So, I think this summer is going to be a fucking beach summer. So, people better look yeah, forward to that. I'm looking yeah, forward yeah. to it for sure. Last yeah. summer was weird as fuck. I need to be outside all summer. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, that's oh, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. It's going to be a beach summer for everybody. Everybody's going to be like, oh, man. You know what I mean? It's time to get outside. Right. Yeah, let's go to the beach. Well, and thank you guys very much for yeah, thank you, joining me on the show. Oh, a lot man. of fun. Yeah. If you guys haven't yet, press that subscribe button so that i can bug you with more videos absolutely (laughs) subscribe subscribe like and subscribe that's right brother (laughs) this is that man i haven't said that ever before